This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hi everyone, you're listening to Thoughts and Theories on ORFM, where I'll delve deeper into the meanings and messages of films, books, TV shows, and more. I'm Asha Amaasri, and let's get into it. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Thoughts and Theories. How has everyone been doing? I have personally been doing great. Um, I have just come back from holiday, and for me, it has been quite a while since I've recorded an episode for everyone. So, let's just get straight into it. Um, So, this week's topic is the glory, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard about it because it has been going viral on TikTok, Instagram, literally everywhere. And I'm pretty sure it's won a couple of awards, though I'm not quite sure about that one. Um, but basically what I'm saying is everyone I know and everyone's cousin knows about this show, okay? And I know I'm late. This had aired quite a while ago. I think last year, the end of last year perhaps, or, um, and, uh, I'm only now starting to talk about it, but I had to wait for all the episodes to come out and then binge watch it in like three days and then wait a month and then watch it again, which is exactly what I did. (laughs) But basically, it was so good. It definitely deserves all the glory it gets. (laughs) Get it? Glory? Okay, no, sorry. Um, But yeah, no, for those of you who don't know about it, which is impossible, but I'll tell you anyway if you don't, um, it follows the story of a young woman named Moon Dong Un, who was bullied at high school to the point of, like, dropping out of school and... So the rest of her life, she tries to plan her revenge on her bullies. Um, Because it's, like, really bad. Like, the bullying is actually genuinely terrible. Um, And so she plans her revenge, which takes, like, multiple years. And she becomes an elementary school teacher where she um, is... Where she is a teacher of the daughter of one of her main bullies, one of the main perpetrators, whose name is Park Yeonjin. It's going to take a while, if you haven't seen the show or you know nothing about it, then it's going to take a while for you to remember the names, because it definitely took me a few episodes to remember the names, because they're foreign names, plus there's like five main characters, um, with, wait, so there's Park Yeonjin, there's Lee Sara, there's Jeon Jae-jun, uh, who else, there's... Choi Hai Jong. Those are the four perpetrators, I think. I'm pretty sure I haven't left anyone behind. And then there's the main character, Moon Dong Un. Um, so it's going to be a bit difficult, and I'm sure you've all forgotten the names I've previously said because I literally had to read it off a screen for me to even remember those names. I just call them, oh, the the one who got bullied, the main bully, uh, or oh, the guy with the golf course, you know. <laughs> I'm sure you guys can relate as well. I'm sorry if you guys noticed some random pauses in the recording and um, random dinging sounds um, because I have a terrible cough at the moment so I have to like pause my recording and kind of hack my lungs out so hopefully that doesn't bother anyone too much. But yeah, no, the glory is an absolute sensation and I love it to pieces. So Mundong Un, like I said, is a high school student who had gotten bullied and she had gotten bullied really, really badly. And I'm talking about like sexual assault and um, I'm talking about like physical abuse. One, Her main perpetrator, the main bully, Park Yeon Jin, she um, takes a curling iron or is it a hair straightener? One of those. And then she like presses it against the main character's skin and so she has lots of scars from those hot irons. And then her and the rest of the bully gang, like, invade her house and, you know, um, like, you know, invade her privacy and tells her to do all these sorts of demeaning acts and, um, 
you know, goes against her space and, like I said, that physical abuse part with the curling iron, that, like, that gets me every time. That's actually really, really bad bullying. I heard from somewhere, I don't know how true this is, but I heard that this bullying case is based off of a few real-life bullying cases, like the curling iron thing, like, that definitely happens in real life. I just don't know if it's based off of one real story or if it was based off of, like, the general, like, stereotype or, like, uh, multiple stories at the same time. So, like, it's really bad. Um, And the thing is, though, um, I'm not a fan, generally, of K-dramas that focus on high school bullying because... Um, and I don't know, this might be a little bit of a hot take, but majority of the times when I do K-drama with, like, high school bullying, I always can't help but hate the main character, because it's like, you're kind of pathetic, low-key. Like, you're kind of, you're, (laughs) okay, this sounds, like, so evil, but it just, I feel like you're asking for it sometimes. Like, can you not stand up for yourself at all? Is there no confidence at all like how could you get to such a level to be demeaned like demeaned in such a way but this drama doesn't make me feel that way like this drama makes you feel so helpless with the main character you know I think that's what other dramas lack is that when other main characters get bullied in this you know trope I feel I don't feel helpless with them I can't sympathize with like I can't empathize with them I can sympathize and like oh no poor you but it's just pity you know I can't feel that pain with you because I feel like there are solutions that you're just not exploring you know um like for example I can't help but always think oh you should just tell a teacher tell a parent um just smack her in the face right back like because my anger issues could never you know And obviously you could say, oh, but when you're in the situation, it's different. You can't, you know, you can't help but feel helpless. And yes, that is true, but that doesn't, like, it just makes me feel like um, when when the dramas portray it, I just can't help but feel like you kind of do have options, though. Especially those moments where she's about to tell someone of importance that she's, you know, going through something, but then she doesn't last minute. But us as the viewers, we know for a fact that the person that she was about to tell would have 100% definitely helped her. Like, for example, the male lead. Like, he would have definitely helped her if he had known about it sooner, sort of thing, you know? So that's why I make, I just, it just peeves me so much when characters don't tell or, like, don't... I just feel like they're not trying, you know? And the situation that they put upon themselves is just that because they just don't do anything about it and I could be wrong about this but that's just how it feels like when I do it when I watch these dramas like for example I watched this one k-drama I think it's called high school 2015 I'm not sure exactly I think they've got lots of years for it and it's about this girl who like um she's got like a twin or whatever I'm sure if you've seen that drama then you know what I'm talking about but you don't have to know but she gets bullied like really badly like she gets pulled behind school and she gets eggs thrown at her and flour thrown at her like you know as a birthday present and stuff and these girls are um cornering her and stuff but it's just so pathetic like (laughs) I just can't help but like get your bum up off the ground and slap those girls in the face like just looking at them You know that they'll snap like a twig if you just slap them, you know? And it's not like they're super, super rich where they'll have, like... No, I just feel like, you know, she can do something about it and she's just sitting there crying while they're throwing flour on her. Like, do you not have a sense of dignity or, um, I don't know, like, pride or whatever? But I guess she's been beaten down to that point. I don't know. It's just that looking at the bullies, they just look super twig-like and pathetic like I feel like I could just because I'm a lot bigger than them physically if it was me (laughs) but I don't want to talk big but like I don't know I just I feel like if I just like slapped them they would fall down and like cry victim and it was just they're that those types of girls you know from those dramas and you can't help but feel like obviously I know bullying is a real issue and genuinely when you are in that situation you can't help but feel what you feel when you feel helpless and when you're cornered in such a way it's just it's such a tough situation to get out especially when you're in those situations you can't see it as clearly as other people outside of the situation because they don't feel the pressure I get that when it's real life I get that but when it's in movies or dramas or whatever it's just shown in such a way that feels so pathetic like please help the audience to feel pathetic 
like and help the audience to feel weak and helpless alongside the main character. And that is why I love the glory so much because it makes us feel weak alongside the main character. Like we genuinely feel like we are hopeless. As always, when I'm talking about a show, there is going to contain spoilers and I'm going to be analyzing this entire series in hopefully one episode um i don't know how you guys like the multiple parts thing because yeah but yeah no hopefully we can do it in one episode uh but yeah no the glory does it perfectly so the main character moon dong Eun, she gets bullied by park yonjin and a lot of other people so it consists of three girls and two guys right sorry the bully group contains five people so it contains three girls and two guys okay right off the bat Obviously, there's a lot, there's a group of them, and there's two guys, and, like, obviously, guys have such a, a, like, a bigger, much stronger physique than women do in general, so it's just, already she's outpowered, um, with those two guys, um, because, I don't know, violence, when it comes to guys, is just something else, right? So, when it's bullying with those guys against a girl, then it's definitely a power imbalance already, right off the bat. When her, when she's, like, in the moment when she's, like, getting ironed and stuff, she's being holed down by two others, and while they, you know, iron her body, and it's, like, they're burning her body, and that's already, we can feel the physical weakness and stuff. But, like, the actual moment aside, she's done, like, you know, she's going through some really terrible stuff. She's getting sexually assaulted by one of the guys, and it's just not great at all. It's terrible. But then... What she does is she try like, obviously me watching, I'm like, oh, no, that's terrible. I feel like she should tell someone. And she does. She tries to tell the nurse, um, and the nurse is super concerned and is just like, oh, my God, who did this? Tell me who did this, and I'll make sure to get justice for you. But here's the problem that I didn't mention earlier. Park Yeonjin and majority of that bully group, they're rich. Like, their parents are super, super rich. Like, Park Yeonjin's mom is like probably like i don't know like they're just super rich i don't know where that money came from for park yonjin i just know that her mom like uses it a lot like with the shaman and whatever but i know one of the guys um his name what is his name his name is jun jun jejun sorry if i'm butchering these names i'm sorry but i call him the golf guy because his parents own a golf course like golf club i think and he later becomes the new owner of that club and um so they're both rich and there's another one her name another girl her name's lisara and she uh her parents or her dad owns like a church and he's been like evading taxes and stealing from like charities and stuff so they're rich as well um but there's two others another dude and a girl um who aren't who aren't born in that richness but they hang out with those rich people and so therefore they are they they they're like fake money i guess you could say but anyway they're super rich and they're super influential right so when the main character moon dong un goes to tell the nurse about it Park Yeonjin is, like, so confident that she's not going to get caught because she's in the nurse's office at the same time. She's so confident that she's not going to get caught. She just looks the nurse dead in the eyes and says, I did it. It's me. And you can see the moment of dread on the nurse's face when she realizes who it was. And it. we as the main character realized, oh, crap. If she's so confident as to say that she did it, then how much power does she really have over the school? And sure enough, I don't know if it's the next day, but the next time we see the main character to going to the nurse's office, it says that the nurse's office is closed temporarily because the nurse resigned due to personal reasons or whatever. And we as the audience just feel this amounting horror when we're like, oh crap. So she did try to talk to someone about it and it didn't work out because she lost her job all because of the main character and you can see the main character is like crap like it's her fault and she's just so like she's kind of blaming herself and we're like oh crap like this is bad and then we're like okay okay the nurse maybe we should go somewhere higher let's try to go to the homeroom teacher she should tell the homeroom teacher and at this point in other k-dramas with um the bullying trope they wouldn't tell anyone they would just go into the self-blame journey and i don't know cry themselves to sleep i don't care um but with the main character, Moon Dong Un, she's just like, hell nah, I'm not stopping here. I'm going to tell ho- the homeroom teacher what's up, because this ain't it. So she does that. Um, oh, wait, no. 
I don't know if she does tell the teacher. No, she doesn't tell the teacher. Actually, no, I lied. She's just like, she didn't tell the teacher, but she's just like, nah, okay, now nah, we can't do this. So Homegirl decides to drop out. But before I get into that, because I just remembered something else, um, before she decides to drop out, we I want you to know that Moon Dong-un's home situation isn't very good either. So before you ask, oh, how come she didn't tell a parent or something like that? Or, like, is there any other support, like, at home? We know she lives in a really, really, really poor, like, neighborhood apartment complex thing. Like, it's really dingy the lights don't work and there's like trash all over the place and it's just it's so creepy like it looks weird and um she can't even go home because one day we see her coming home and she's sporting lots of bruises and injuries right but then she notices that there are there's laughter coming inside her house and then she realized that her bullies has invaded her house as well and they're all like they're all like making they're like frying meat on like some sort of grill and they're all laughing and they're chilling at her house as if as if they own the place and and she's just like standing there in shock and so are we and they're like you know continuing their taunting and bullying and they even like kicked over an iron to like taunt her like oh i found this in your house and it makes us the audience as well like shocked because we're like oh crap not even her house is a safe place for her to go to. So she can't go to her school nurse. Her school nurse is reti- like resigned for quote-unquote personal reasons. And now she can't even chill at her house because they know where she lives and they have access to it. And like, don't think, oh, she can just lock the door or whatever. No, because it's like a really poor neighborhood and they've got money and stuff. I'm sure, I'm sure they have like ways to circum vent that so that's what they did and so she can't even go to her house and she's just like oh crap okay let me just cut contact with them completely and so that's when she decides to drop out and so when she was filling out that dropout form she was like the reasons why they're she's dropping out and she named like all five of her perpetrators and she's just like they're the reasons why i'm dropping out they're bullying me and i don't like that and i'm like hell yeah yeah go to the official form complain about the school complain about them the school has to do something about that then right so yeah she does that she drops out and then um her homeroom teacher calls her up and she he's like he's mad like he's real mad he's just like how do you quote like these like five names like i can't believe you did that how, like are there is this not just friends mucking about like this is how could you not like <laughs> you'll have to watch it i can't i don't remember what he exactly said but he's just saying it's just friends messing around and she shouldn't take things so seriously like she's so butthurt and stuff and so she is like what do you mean like these are friends messing around and then she takes off her she takes off her um cuffs and she rolls her sleeves up and she shows like the burn marks on her arms and everything she's just like does this look like friends messing around and she's just like does it really and me and my sister we were both watching this at this and we both looked at each other like damn this girl's got guts like because no matter how much i say oh you should tell someone you should do this and that i still wouldn't have the guts to actually like blatantly show off my scars like that because i know it is proof but i would i feel like i don't know i feel like i just wouldn't have the guts for it and i just don't have that sense of confidence like to not get backlash from it but she was just so dead faced and was so like no take a look at these scars and tell me to my face that these are just friends mucking about and the teacher just looks at her and he's just like yeah it's just friends mucking about and mundang the main character is just like so shocked she's like mostly confused she's just like how could you say that don't you have a son weren't you so proud that he just entered university how would you feel if it was your son who was treated like this by his friends would you want that as a parent and then oh you can see the teacher get mad he's just like oh so you really went there huh so he takes off his watch and then he starts beating the crap out of this 16 year old girl I was like, what the heck? Like, you're a 40 something year old man, a teacher at an educational facility who's supposed to be guiding children to find their potential for their future selves, and yet you're slapping the crap out of the 16-year-old for daring to compare the situations between her and his son? Like dude, you good? Like, at first he was really mad at her and, like, telling her to change the reason for her dropping out was because the vice principal will find out about it and his job will be, like, at stake and will be questioned. So he's, like, 
you know, really scared about that. So that's why he's mad. But then he gets really mad when she brings up his son. And he just starts beating the crap out of her. And I'm not kidding when I say he's beating the crap out of her. Like, he's just slapping her face across the room. And she's just, like, being staggered back. And like I said, when it comes to men with violence, especially against girls, like, you can't help but actually feel fear about that. Because, like, <laughs> it's different between the violence that I was talking about with that other the other K-drama, High School 2015, which they're, like, throwing eggs at her and stuff, because I feel like I could snap her with, like, just a slap. Like, she would break, like, a twig, because she's just so tiny, and, like, she's all talk, but no bark. Like, she's all bark, but no bite, is what I'm saying. But when it comes to guys, y- you know that they will bite. Like, especially... This This is an old man. This is a 40-something-year-old man. Beating up a 16-year-old. I don't know if you can comprehend it the way that I can. Like, my goodness. That was some intense crap. And then other teachers are, like, holding him back. But they can't do anything about it because he's got more power than they do. And and it's obviously not great. Being a bystander is just as bad as being the offender. But still, like, it was just an all-round bad situation, right? So she left the office, but she didn't change her dropout reason. But I just want to backtrack. Can you feel how hopeless the situation is? Her home situation is really bad. They know where she lives and they can even get inside her house and torture her there. At school, she's not safe as well because if she tells a teacher that is actually competent, they'll lose their job. And when she tries to tell someone about higher up on the scale, they'll beat the crap out of her. Okay, so that's already done and sorted. She's got nowhere else to go. Some of you might be wondering, Asha... Why doesn't she just go to her parents? Does she have parents or is she one of those orphans? She's not an orphan. She does have parents, actually. But they're not that great. You want to know why? Let me tell you why. So, obviously, um, the dropout form, one of, like the reason that she's being dropped out are those five people, her perpetrators. And she's written that. And that's going to go on official record. And that's not going to look good um, for the, their futures. So, the mother of the main perpetrator, Park Yeonjin, her mother decides to go talk to the main character's mother. So they have a dinner and um, she offers a bunch of, like a chick and, um, and it's a bunch of money and she's just like, all you have to do is just sign that and say that you won't be, you won't be signing up for a lawsuit and that you will change the reason for her dropping out isn't because isn't because of these five people, but because of maladjustment. I think that was the word that they used, maladjustment. At first I was like, what the hell is maladjustment? I searched it up, and it was, um, it's like, it's like, um, this antisocial behavior where it's just like, it's their fault, like, it's, it's the main character's fault for not being able to socialize with other people and she's sort of like an outsider. It's sort of like a mental affliction, I think. Um, and so she's just, that's why she, that's the reason for her dropping out. And obviously, as Moon Dong-un's legal guardian, her word trumps the main characters. So they cross out the five names, and then and then she writes maladjustment. She takes the check, and she also signs the form that says that she's not going to pursue them in a lawsuit. And that's that. And when the main character comes home from school one day, or from you know, packing her locker or something, I'm not sure, she comes home to find that the apartment is completely empty, everything's been packed, and her mom's just gone. And then on the outside of her door, she sees this form, which changed, which she sees is, like, the uh, the dropout form that she had signed, but it had changed from the five names to maladjustment, and it has her mother's signature at the bottom. And us as the viewers, we're just, like, so shocked. And we're just so, like, what the heck? That's her mother. Like, that that woman gave birth to her and raised her. And she just dropped her kid like that as soon as she saw one check. And we're just like, my God. My God. So the character's truly, like, helpless at this point. Like I said, the school, out of the option. Home, out of the option. Her mother, out of the option. Where does she go from here? She doesn't even have a home anymore because her mother moved out. She's homeless, she's jobless, and she's educationless. Like, without an education, she can't get a good job. So what is she going to do now? That is what I'm saying 
when I'm talking about making the main character feel helpless, but making us as the viewers feel helpless alongside her. I can't feel helpless with other main characters when they get bullied because I can't help but bring out options. Why don't you do this? Like, why don't you tell a teacher? Why don't you drop out? Tell your parents about it. Slap them back in the face. Like, there's so many th- times, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not the only one who does this when you're, like, critiquing character choices, especially, like, in horror films and stuff. Like, oh my god, of course you tripped over nothing. Oh my god, why did you run up the stairs instead of outside the house? Like, of course... Of course, we all make fun of them, even if it doesn't make sense. Um, it's just us wanting to be satisfied over those issues. Um, and that is, this is one of those situations. Um, the thing is, with the glory, though, we can't help but feel Moon Dong-un's helplessness as well. We, want, we suffer with her. We don't have any solutions for her. She's homeless. She's got no job. She's got no school. She's got no support system. She's got no friends. Who is she going to turn to? What is she going to do next? And that is how they capture their attention, our attention. And that is how I'm going to take this break. I'm going to start playing the song um, The Whisper of Forest by Suran. And for those of you who have watched the show, then you'll recognize the, you'll recognize the name, the song from the end of every Glory episode. And you're going to feel like it's going to be great. So um, I hope you guys think about it and just chill and relax and enjoy the song. I'll be back in a minute. Sometimes the forest gives me the realize You have to be strong. Would you think I'm real? No. To hold with fears. Yeah. Think, take a deep breath. Listen to the advice. They believe in you. You feel what you're feeling. Yeah. Feelings are
Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that little break, and I'm sure those of you who have seen The Glory will recognize that song from the end of every episode of The Glory. I just remember watching it with my sister, and we would, like, watch it, and there's, like, always a cliffhanger at the end of the episode, right? And then it just, like, there's some dramatic last sentence, and then it it fades to black, or there's, like, the title sequence, and then you just hear the song, sometimes, and I'm just like, oh my god, like, it's just, the soundtrack just helps so much with the effect of this, the episode and how it ends and it just makes you want to continue watching it more. I literally finished the drama in two days. Two days. Two, three days. It's crazy. And then I watched it again uh, a month later with my parents because I just had to show this masterpiece to my parents. And even they liked it. Um, so that was absolutely wonderful. And I think I might even watch it for a third time because it's just that satisfying. Though Then again, it could just be me with my obsession with Song Haikyo. And for those of you who don't know, Song Haikyo is the actress who plays the main character, Moon Dong-un. And she is, like, honestly, one of my favorite actresses, like, in K-dramas ever. Like, and if you don't know, you might not know her, you might not recognize her name, but she plays the main character in Descendants of the Sun. And, uh... She's just she's just so pretty. Like she is so beautiful and her acting skills is just unreal. She also played this other drama, I don't recall what it's called, but it's with um Park Bogum, which I know a lot of you know as well. Um and they both make such a great pair. But it's more of a realistic drama and stuff than uh than her other ones. But yeah, no, let's continue back. So previously before the break, I had talked about her getting bullied and how it was absolutely helpless. Her situation was helpless and it was just done in such a way that us as the audience couldn't help but feel helpless with her, which is really good because now we're rooting for her so much more and we don't feel, we not only pity her, but we sympathize with her and we want to help her and we want her to keep going and like stay strong. The way this K-drama is um, formatted is through flashbacks, I believe. Like, we're starting with present day, which is 2022, and um, the main character's already an adult. She just moved into her new house, and we get to we get to see her um, tell her story through flashbacks. And her flat, so basically, her bullying isn't the main cause. The main focus of this 16 episode drama is her getting revenge on these bullies so that backstory that i just told you before was just that it was backstory it didn't happen in the present and it's just told in snippets so it doesn't drag on we just get the highlights of her worst moments and then it's just focus on revenge and her planning for it and it's just it's so satisfying i'll tell you this i'll tell you straight away it the ending is great it works out really well she's vibing and she is just really satisfying. And obviously, it's not... Like, we can argue about the moral, like... Like, the moral parts of it, which is probably not morally correct. Because it's like, oh, you should leave it to the justice of the police rather than your own personal justice. Or else everyone will do something and it's just anarchy and whatever and it's just not great. Yeah, well, it's fiction, okay? So, chill. Um, let me be satisfied over... Let me feel the catharsis of this drama that it gives us. Um, and for those of you who doesn't know what catharsis means, catharsis is like the act of releasing pent-up emotions, sort of like like repressed emotions and it like release, like, and you release it all of a sudden. Like, for example, when you're having like such a bad day and you just want to cry and cry. And then, you know how after a good cry, you sort of feel like so much better? Yeah, that release of emotions, that's what catharsis is. And the effect of catharsis is uh, through like shows and stuff is when we see characters um, go through terrible things and then they get like, they get back up again and they get to do things that we don't get to do like slap their boss in the face or like um just basically stuff that we fantasize about doing but we can't actually do 
but the show or play that we watch, they do it. We feel satisfied on their part. And that sort of catharsis feeling is what makes it so good, right? And this is what the Glory does. Because she basically slaps all the bullies in the face and gets the revenge that she wants and needs. And we as the audience are rooting for her and we're like, it's not morally right, but we're like, hell yeah, go for it. Because we know it's fiction, so we don't have any... There's no... um. There's no backlash from it of those actions, right? There's no reality to it. But just seeing it done, even if it's not for us, because, like, we all live through a reality, right? We all go to work or school, and we have to pay the bills. We've got this coworker or boss that we don't like, and it's just sometimes you really just want to slap them in the face or punch them in the face, and you know you're not actually going to do it, but that feeling is there, and you just want to yell at someone. You can't do that. But seeing the main character do it in the show, we're like, hell yeah. That is me. I am living your life right now. And, like, so we feel we're going on that journey with them. And it just, that effect is just so nice. And so, yeah, so her bullying is being told in flashbacks. And she's, um, like, on her steps, like, really, like, she's planned for 18 years to get her revenge. So you can bet your bum that that is a good bullying, like, that is a good slap in the face plan. Like, it's foolproof. She's a pro and she does this. Like, she's done everything she could, right? So, she um, becomes an elementary school teacher, um, and she does this purposely, because the class that she's in, um, there is a young girl, um, Haya Sol is her name, so there's this young girl, and she's actually the daughter of one of her main perpetrators, Park Yeonjin. And so, we're just like, oh, dang, okay, so everything is, like, falling into place. At first, we're feeling a little trepidatious I think because we're like oh she's because she's like doing this internal monologue and she's just like I'm gonna take everything away from you Park Yeonjin starting with your daughter you know because she's like your Achilles heel and I'm just like ooh, the daughter she's like six and I'm like I don't know if I can support that like because the daughter is innocent she didn't do nothing like the what we should be focusing on is Park Yeonjin and her gang like the daughter does nothing, you should, she's, like, really innocent, she's kind of adorable, and, like, you don't want anything to happen to her, but the main character seems, like, super intense, and she's just, like, I'll take care of you, Sol. and we're, like, um, (laughs) are you okay? Is this child okay? I don't know, am I gonna support, like, the murder of a child? Like, is this okay? But no, Sol is safe, she's fine, she's all good, other than the backlash of finding out her mother is a terrible person, she's all good, like, she's vibing, okay? So, yeah, no, she protects Hayasol. Like, Hay- she doesn't actually harm Hayasol at all. Um, the main character just uses her as a threat for the, for the main perpetrator, and it just it just works out really well. And like I said, you'll just have to check, check out the drama yourself for you to really feel the true satisfaction of this drama, but it's just... Because I can't talk about every single intricate detail that there is, because there is a lot and it's just so satisfying to watch so if you haven't already i recommend 100% to watch it and it's just it's so good but there's this one aspect about this k-drama that i wanted to talk about about talk about as well and that is the romance aspect of this drama the romance aspect isn't very strong at all in fact it is like there's like it's part it's sort of like the d plot like there's so many other plots going on and it's just the romance is sort of like in the back in the back burner and obviously as you do or as you notice all k-dramas they're a slow burn right by the last episode if they kiss or get married and stuff like that's when we know it's a happy ending but we they don't actually do anything before that this k-drama is very much the same but it's very much not the focus of it at all in fact we see the main like we see the male lead um like appear all the time uh his name is lee do-hyun um, and he's played by the actor Ju Yo-jong. Um, but that name, those names might be confusing. But yeah, so the, the, the dude, he's, he's like a plastic surgeon. So I'll just call him the plastic surgeon for, uh, easier remembrance. So he's the male lead. And he's, um, he's got his own tragic backstory as well. Like his, his dad is a doctor. His mom is a doctor. Actually, even better than that, they're both owners of the hospital. <clears throat> and it's just, oh wait, no. I'm wrong. The actor himself, the actor's name is Lee Do-hyun, and, and the character's name is Ju Yo-jong. Sorry, my bad. See, even I'm confused, and I've watched the show twice. Um, yeah, so, uh, and he's a doctor as well, so he's a family of doctors, right? His dad 
died treating a patient who was a murderer and so his father was murdered in the operation room and so he's got like a really big grudge against that murderer as well so he's got a bad backstory as well but he's like i don't know how to explain the doc uh, i don't know how to explain the surgeon other than mm, he's giving <laughs> he's giving golden retriever energy if you can get what I mean, like, that's the gist of his vibe. Like, he is so loyal to the main character, and he's so sweet and so soft, so naive, and he's just willing to do whatever she wants because he's just such a simp, basically. And it's just so adorable, if you get what I mean. Like, it's, it's, he's a dork, but it's adorable. Um, and you just can't help but love him anyway. But yeah, he's sort of always there, and like, if, um, but he's never, like, she sort of, but, like, I don't know, she doesn't, he doesn't take over her life. Like, she is in charge of her own revenge, and she is, like, she asks for her help and stuff, but you never doubt who is in, like, in, who's never, who's in charge, if you know what I mean. It's such a weird way to phrase it, but you sort of know who, who, you know, calls the shots, I guess, which is her. Not to say that she's super domineering or anything, but, you know, it's just... She's, like, super soft and fragile, like, glass, and he's just, like, you know, nodding along and, like, you know, wanting to help her in any way he can, and if silent company is what that is, then that's what he's gonna be, and that's basically it. So the romance doesn't really go farther than that, and they're, like, sort of accomplices for the longest time, and there is this subtext of romance, and you know he's head over heels, but she's not ready for that, and he respects that and never... And never ever like does anything, and that is something that is that is a quality that's just like chef's kiss, you know. Um, and because of their dynamic and because of their vibe, it was so right. Like when something did happen, that the way that it happened, like oh god, I can't even speak. Like the way that their romance kind of um, happened, uh, it was so good. Like it made sense. It's not the guy making the move. It was the main character, Moon Dong Un. She was the one who made the move. I think it was in the second last episode, or it was the last episode. I'm not sure. It was one of those two. She was the one who went up to him and kissed him. And I just thought that was so right. That was such a smart move from the writer or director. Because it just wouldn't have made sense, or it wouldn't have felt right or true to the characters if the doctor was the one who ended up doing the move because he's the one who's always been patiently waiting he's been in love with her since day one and he's just waiting for her to be ready and she's like saying yeah like I'm not ready for that but maybe one day and we can get that that vibe from her and he's just like yeah patient and he's never said anything at all and then she's the one who's like kisses him and it's just it's so right because it shows that she's the one who's ready and um and he's still waiting for her and it's just so romantic in the most like unbelievable way and it's just because it's like he's respecting her boundaries and that is just such a nice thing you know wow someone respecting your boundaries oh my god the bar is on the floor guys oh my god but yeah no it's just it was just such a sweet moment for them to finally like do something because throughout the show i kind of couldn't help but feel like it wasn't fair for the guy because he kept doing things for her and stuff like that, but she doesn't, I felt like it was a bit unequal, um, because he was sort of his, her executioner, and she was, like, um, in charge of, she was so focused on her revenge plan and stuff, she couldn't, she couldn't afford to start a relationship, and also we find out later on in the show that she planned to kill herself after, after the revenge was done because her life was frozen when she was 18 and now that her revenge is done she's unfrozen but there's no point to living anymore because her life is already wasted away and it's just she doesn't see the point right um so she does try to that's why i think she doesn't want to start a relationship with him as well because it's just going to hurt him even more um but then at the end when she does try to kill herself the person who saves her from killing herself is actually the doctor's mom because the doctor's mom is like was like oh my god like please don't don't do this you know if what if the thing that will make you stop jumping is um what if i told you that your death will cause another death and that's going to be my son because his life was frozen the day that his father died and he's just 
Like, he's... Like, this is gonna absolutely ruin him. He's been so different ever since you came around. And, like, just please do this. Like, please, like, save yourself. If not for yourself, then for him, please. Like, this is a mother's request. And then she's just, like... The main character is like, oh, damn. And, like, obviously she cares for him very much. And even if she doesn't have much regard for her own life, she knows that the doctor has a lot of potential in him. He's got a bright future ahead of him. And, like... She does care for him. She she does have feelings for him. She just didn't want to pursue that because she had nowhere to go. But knowing that her... And she knows him as well. She knows that he's got issues as well. And he knows for a fact that what the mother was saying is true. If, if, if she's gone and it truly does put a stop to his life, he will go... Haywire, and he will just he'll he he won't be living. He will just be going through the motions, but he's not truly living, you know. And so she doesn't jump in the end, and she wants she starts helping like, um, thinking of ways to help the guy with his revenge because she's a professional at this point, I guess. Um, and through this time skip, because she's off like planning his re- for his revenge for him, because she just disappeared from his life out of nowhere one day. She just said goodbye, and then he was like alone just like that and we see a snippet of his day-to-day life at home and he's just so dead inside and he's just going through the motions just like the mother said he's just going through the motions he's living and he's just so he's so different to that golden retriever energy that we get throughout the drama and this is just so robotic and this is actually what we get from the main character Mundo Un. she's the one who's supposed to be the robotic one he's supposed to be the one who's bouncing with energy and jokes and good vibes but now he's just He's eating ramen, he's going to work, he's coming home, he's repeating the process. And it's just, it's so sad to see that contrast in character. And when she comes back, obviously he's mad. He's like real mad. And he's, but he's like, he's, he's so upset though. Not mad as in like yelling, like, how could you do this to me? But more mad as in like heartbroken, devastated, sad, like a kicked puppy vibe sort of thing. And he's just like, you're so cruel. Why, how could you do this to me? Like, why could, why would you leave? And he's just so sad. And it's just like, oh my god. <laughs> but then she does that whole dramatic thing where she's walking towards him and then he, she kisses him and then there's that slow motion. There's the song in the background and there's butterflies and it's just like, <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so cute. It's so stupid. But I love it. Oh my god. Because it's just, it's such a dark drama. And it's just so serious the entire time. The only time we get, like, this reprieve of that seriousness is when the main character and the Doctor interact and they're both being silly together. Or, you know, or when um, Haya saw the daughter, the five-year-old, when she's interacting with whoever she's interacting with, it's just so sweet because it's just anything like that, right? When the when um, one of the bully's dogs is on screen, those are like literally the only comedy comedic moments there are. The dog, the kid, and the golden retriever vibe love interest. Like that is the only time we get good vibes from the show. Everything else is just depression, angst, like murder, revenge, and revenge, revenge, revenge. Like that's the vibe. I won't go over specifically how each each um bully member gets revenged on because they all do get their repercussions um but uh i will briefly talk about park yonjin because she is obviously the main perpetrator and it's just it's so satisfying how she gets how she gets like what she gets like because she her support system has always been her mother and her child right and um and her husband as well and back when they were kids went back when the through the high school days park yonjin had used uh the main character's mother against her and that had hurt the most right so in return the main character moon dong un used her own mother against park yonjin as well like not 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 the main character's mother but park yonjin's own mother like she had them turn against each other she also turned yonjin's park yonjin's um husband against her she also turned her child against her so at the very end of the day park yonjin was truly truly alone and she just she got her repercussion there was this one moment because um 
Mundangan gets um, her revenge on her mother as well, uh, because her mother abandoned her, and her mother does make a reappearance later, and she just ruins like she ruins everything again, and tries to burn them both alive in a, a bar in the, her apartment building, which is crazy. You'll have to watch it yourself, but it's just like, and the main character is just devastated because one of the ho- the only times I felt helpless, other than the bullying scene, is when she was dealing with her mother, because. Trying to get revenge on your mother is very different business than trying to get revenge on your bullies. Because when you're getting revenge on your bullies, you don't hold anything back. They're your bullies, that's it. And you hate them with a passion and you want them to suffer. But with your mother, no matter how badly she treated you, that's still your mother. That's still someone who took care of you and that's still someone who you had, you have that familial bond to right? And so it's just, it's such a much more complicated reason. I guess other people who doesn't have very much strong connection to their mother wouldn't feel that same conflict as I do, but I guess, um, I don't know if it's just, um, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but, like, I just have such a strong, and I know a lot of people that I interact with, they have such strong, like, um, relationships with their parents as well, like, their sense of respecting your elders and just, and loving them despite their flaws and stuff like that. I'm not saying how if, if they're bad to you and toxic like this mother is, you shouldn't cut them off, but there's still that bittersweet, complicated feeling, right? You can't just kill them the way that you would want to kill your bully. It's, it's just, it's not easily done, and that's the same vibe that we get with Moon Dong Un, because no matter how many times that her mother backstabs her and betrays her and stuff like that that's still her mother and it's just you as the audience member feel that conflict and you have no idea genuinely what the main character is going to do to her but then eventually I do like the ending that Munda Un chooses for her mother where she puts her mother into an institution like a mental institution because her mother's got like some mental problems and um the mother's like betrayed and she's just like um, like, how could you do this to me, you ungrateful daughter, and stuff, like, I gave birth to you, and stuff like that, and then she went to, like, how, like, she went to, like, push the main character or something at the hospital, but then the main character, like, pulls her in for a hug instead, and she's just like, it's okay, mom, I got to do this, because I'm your only family member left, and then the mom's just, like, shocked, and she just stands still, and then the, the nurses and stuff, like, drag her away, and can I just say how much that moment was so powerful, Like I said, the glory does a really good job at helping us feel the pain and feel the journey of um, her suffering with her, like we're in her shoes. And this is one of those moments where I felt like an anchor was lifted off of the main character's chest because... She's, she knows her mother's getting the help that she deserves, but also, like, she got to, this is also, like, a revenge because her mother is now trapped and, like, away from her life, but her mom's also not gonna be harmed sort of way, but I don't know, it was just super satisfying because the first, the first time the mother betrays her was through signing a document, and that document was the lawsuit document and the dropout document, right? That was the first time her mother betrayed her. And the way that the main character reflects and pays that back is through signing a document as well. But this document was signing her mother into a mental institution and locking her up. And I just thought that was the most powerful, symbolic, and just, it was just such a good wraparound. Like, it was just such a good way to end their mother-daughter arc. Like, it started with a paper being signed. And it ended with a paper being signed. I was just like, damn, them parallels, though. That parallel was so powerful, and it was just so good. Like, I watched it with my dad, and my dad was, like, super satisfied with how, like, that like that arc was ended. Because, like, he, even he was like, oh, yeah, no, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, my, my parents were both like, I don't know what they're going to do with, um, with the mother. Like, how are they going to deal with that? But then with her being locked up with the institution, and I told my dad, like, don't you think that's just so cool? Like, that parallel between, like, how it started with a paper being signed and how it ended with a paper being signed. And he was like, damn, I did not notice that. And that is actually super cool. And then, like, I don't know, my my parents were super into it, and I was just so glad that they liked it as much as they did. And, yeah, no, that was definitely one of my highlights of that, of the show. Like, yes, like slapping all the all the main bullies in the face figuratively and literally was great and amazing um but just how the main character dealt with 
the arc with her mother and how that wrapped up and how that developed was just so beautiful. And the romance connection wasn't the main focus, and I loved that about this. Like, it just didn't feel appropriate if romance was the main subject of this show. And there's always, and there's so many twists and turns of this story. Like, it's really all about perspective. And we kept guessing what was going to happen till the very end, because, of course, with every K-drama, and this is such a common theme, there's a murder mystery going on in this. This time, we don't actually care why he died because he's one of the bullies we just want to know how it happened who did it and what was the motive and you know that sort of vibe and it was just so good there's this this uh green high-heeled shoe that appears a lot in the drama and i'm pretty sure there's a lot more symbolic meaning behind it but it it, it, ha- it appears a lot and it's just it's super good like it's um i recommend it 100 and though I, can i just say obviously out of everyone who suffered out of all the bullies who suffered and everything, the one who didn't deserve to suffer the most, a lot of people would say, is the child, Haya Sol. Of course she didn't deserve to suffer. It's not her fault that her mother was, like, a terrible person. Like, she was just born into this situation. Yeah, and of course, I feel so much pity for Haya Sol, but she's sort of a kid, and I feel like she'll... she'll forg- Like, she's five, and I'm... I think she has a lot of time to improve and heal from this moment, and she doesn't know the true story. I mean, maybe in the future when she's emotionally mature enough she'll be able to know and you know make her own judgments then but as a child I think she's very well protected and her ending is quite good but though but the person who I feel like does deserved not to suffer the most is Park Jin's husband the husband like he's he's very good looking like <laughs> he's one of my favorites of that show he's my favorite character so his name is Ha Do Yong and he is the CEO of a construction company. So, of course, he's also very rich. I just feel like he didn't deserve... Like, he got a happy ending in the end. But it was sort of bittersweet. Because he did love his wife very much. Even though, at first, the way when they first got married, it was just a very simple affair. Like, oh, you both... We both have money. We're both very good looking. Let's just seal the deal, right? That was, that was how it started. But they still... They were still married for, like, a solid 10 plus years. And that is a sort of bond that you know is cultivated over time and he ended up loving her very much and so finding out who she truly was as a person and what she did and like how it put their family and their child at stake was just like it was so heartbreaking for him and he's he's so controlled and he's so stylish and he's never his composure is never broken but the only time it was broken was when his kid was involved and he's like I just felt so bad for him because all he did was fall in love and then he was dragged into this, like, crap. And, um, I don't know. He was the most innocent out of everyone who had suffered. And I just felt really bad for him. And, like, I just wished he had, like, he had, you know, better circumstances. But, you know, what happened, happened. But he did end up having a good ending in the end. Like, he ends up, you know, taking, he divorces her, his wife, and, um, he, uh, takes Hayasol away to the UK, where, because Hayasol really likes to play soccer, or, ugh, soccer, he, she really likes to play football, and, um, so she, he takes her away, and they go overseas together, and start a new life with their new family of two, father, daughter, and it's just super sweet, but I think in a way, it was more bittersweet, because they definitely left, they left the series, different than how they started the series you know yes it was great to have the truth revealed and the truth is always the bitter terrible truth is always better than living a lie well yes that is true the reality is always worse like the feeling of reality is always worse than the feeling of fantasy living the lie and living the perfect lie is just it feels better it feels much more comforting but at least this time they've got a new future ahead of them and he's he's still young, I guess. He's only in his late thirties. Like he's got he's got time to find a new wife. And um it's just it's just sad. I feel like he suffered a lot. But it's okay. Um he's still good looking. <laughs> nah, but yeah, no, nah, he's definitely my favourite character though. Um, like I said before, if you guys haven't seen the series definitely watch it especially if you want to see what happened to the bullies because they did go through a lot of stuff i thought to save up that for you to experience it yourself because it's just it just feels so good to feel that way um and you want to if you want to know what happens to park yon jin and the others definitely watch it because like i said 
great, great stuff. Moon Dong Eun and the Doctor, because um, they both live. It's it's an open ending. They live happily ever after, but it's an open ending, and it's great. And there's no. It's just it's rounded really well, and everything just sorts out happily, and it's great. Anyway, it was so good to be back to re- back to recording episodes. I hope to see you guys uh, next time. Thank you all for joining me today on Thoughts and Theories. I hope you've learned something new or taken away something to think about. I hope to see you all next time. Till then, this has been Thoughts and Theories with Asha Ama Asri. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.